it's kind of hard to um, start using a bunch of life hacks when you're not sure if you're ADHD or not. What, at what point did you realize that you were, Shanna? Um, probably because of TikTok very recently. <laughs> Maybe like in the last six months that I started thinking like, wow, that's, I would see TikToks of people talking about ADHD and I'm, I'd be like, that's, that's totally me. And then I would text a friend and be like, do I do this? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're pretty much spot on. Right, so right. Very recent. TikTok, you know, has really become a great place for collective um, knowledge sharing and it that really kind of has. thing. It really has. It really has. Mm-hmm. So, um, there I go with the ums. Um, oh, I have to try not to say like. Yeah, I'll cut this out. <laughs> so the, the first sign that you're ADHD is that you struggle to focus. And I think that's kind of obviously implied by the name ADHD. Uh, but I also think that there's a lot of nuance to that idea that's different than what people think. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, I, please. so I always thought, cause my son has ADHD and mm-hmm. ADHD in boys and in kids looks different than it does in an adult woman. So I'm looking at him and as a former teacher, you know, thinking of students that I had that were severe ADHD, I never related to that because in the classroom, ADHD looks like a student who can't sit still, they're flapping their arms around, they're fidgeting all the time, and I never had any of those things. Like, I was a pretty decent student, at least I learned how to be. What I learned from TikTok is that ADHD in women is not so much hyperactivity as we see it in the body, but it's hyperactivity in your mind, which is classic me. Like, I've always have, as they say, 10 million tabs open in my brain at all times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where the the struggle to focus comes in. But it's also that you don't want to do tasks that are given to you because you don't get a dopamine payoff unless Mm -hmm. you're interested in it. And I think we Mm -hmm. talked about this a little bit on the first episode, how sometimes your interest might be people pleasing. And then you Mm -hmm. learn how to be a really good student. And Mm -hmm. you can fool yourself into thinking that you've never had a problem with this when you were a kid and you must be getting worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where procrastinating comes in too. We kind of talked about that a little bit too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I never, I never really had, or at least thought I had a focusing problem or issue. Yeah. Even when I look back, you know, I can, I can focus on the teacher talking and, um, you know, I can do a pretty decent job. Is that because I just learned how to deal with it? Probably because if <laughs> I'm sitting in a meeting at work and I'm not interested in what they're saying, I'm not listening and it's not even like, I can't even help it. I just, I just tune it out because I'm like, eh, send me an email right. later, you know? Right. You, you kind of just want to have all that information written down in front of you that you can refer to right. rather than having it play out, you know, step by step in front of you where you're supposed to retain all of this. I mean, mm-hmm. I have trouble keeping things straight, like making appointments throughout a day or mm-hmm. uh, cleaning up certain places in my house when I've meant to for ages there will be just some like little random object somewhere and i keep thinking oh next time i walk by here i'm picking that up and it'll just stay oh yeah you probably don't even see it <laughs> right 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 my, that's a, that's the thing my mom my mom would always when i still lived with her back in the day um <clears throat> would always get after me for you know put your cereal bowl in the dishwasher or whatever but i i wouldn't see it like i could look i could scan a room and i don't see anything wrong with the mess that's there 
versus my mom where everything has to be like perfect, which this right. sort of leads me to what I want to talk about in a minute, which is like shame around some of this stuff. Yeah, too. I, I think that once you do find out that you're ADHD, you you sort of find a lot of evidence that leads to your vulnerabilities to places where mm-hmm. you've always had some sort of shame. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of yeah. nice to have an explanation that sort of lies outside of our capitalist priorities and makes you think mm-hmm. that you've just been unproductive or you've just haven't been contributing well enough. And mm-hmm. you learn that, yeah, there actually is a uh, neurological difference between you and the typical person who seems to think that, you know, cleaning up or whatever it is, is, is easy. Yeah, I know. It's such a relief, actually, because I would always think like, I'm not a good housekeeper. I'm not. I was married. Like, I did a decent job. The toilets were always clean. Like, we were sanitary. Like, it smelled nice, yeah. but there's always piles of clothes, places and stuff. And the same now. And I always thought it was because growing up, my mom was like super type A. Everything was, you know, had its place. Everything was perfect. So I thought in my mind, oh, I'm just swinging the opposite way because I don't have to live with that anymore. Right. But I I don't think it's that. I think it's but, just I'm not capable yeah, of but being see, for, that way. For a neurotypical person, if you're growing up in a clean environment, you would really learn how to clean and how to organize just through osmosis, the same way we learn language. Think so. Right. Yeah, and this is mm-hmm. one of those places where the neurodivergence really becomes obvious when you look at it. If you grew up clean and you don't have clean habits, there's something mm-hmm. different going on. And, and yeah, you mentioned something really important there, I think, in my mind, which is uh, sanitary. <laughs> Keeping mm-hmm. things sanitary is the bar in our house. We, we tend mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And uh, as far as tidying up goes or organizing, I don't know where people keep all their stuff blows my mind I when either. I go to a clean house. Yeah, I know. Like, there's just too I much know. going on. I, I'll look yeah. at uh, a clean house usually doesn't have books and doesn't have children. I don't know. Like, I just don't that's know where they part, keep their That's things. part of it. You know, because the, the, there have been a few people in my life who have come to my house or stayed at my house or whatever. Uh-huh. And most of the ones that like to point out how messy my house is, which I'll get to that in a minute. But uh-huh. those people that have done that are usually the people who don't have kids, don't have pets, are living in, you know, a small apartment by themselves. Like if I didn't have kids and pets, even being ADHD, my place would probably be pretty clean too. But right, it's really right. hard to clean up after multiple people and pets and friends, kids coming over. And, you know, there's and, 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 and there's endless messes that are being made in right. a family versus in a single person's place yeah it's uh one of those things with my kids they were really messy when they were younger they're getting a little older and it's not quite as bad there aren't toys strewn about and whatnot Mm -hmm. but i once read this quote that was cleaning up while you have young children is like shoveling snow in a snowstorm and that's exactly what it was like i I, I read something similar but it was like trying to brush your teeth while you're eating oreos that's the same (laughs) thing (laughs) yours is cuter I, I yeah, probably it, heard mine when I lived in Michigan, so it made yeah. like all kinds of sense to me. Yeah. But, but yeah, you do something and it would be undone within moments. And then on mm-hmm. top of having forced yourself to do something that doesn't come naturally to you, there's no reward. The, right. it, it doesn't end up being a clean space. And so I did get to a point where I was like, why bother? And that was, to me, yeah. one, of the, one of the real gifts of the pandemic was I had no one to clean up for. Nobody was going to be dropping by. And I was able to sort of let a lot of the guilt slide. Mm-hmm. And honestly, since then, the guilt hasn't really come back. 
and the house hasn't gotten any cleaner, but it would have been just <laughs> as messy and I just feel bad. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's kind of what happened to me too. Once I realized that I'm just not like, I'm not a horrible person because I can't keep stuff clean and it's right. actually because of ADHD. I was like, oh, I feel so relieved. My house is not cleaner, but at least I know that I'm not like a bad person, you know? Right. I've had and, people make me feel that way. Yeah, and, and you know, this really, it's, it's very similar to like diet culture, that the minute that you decide that you're going to stop with all the dieting, you read up on health at any size and intuitive eating, uh, you don't necessarily, you know, lose weight or whatever, but you get to stop being miserable because diet yeah. culture, as we all know, is about just experiencing the misery without any of the perceived benefits that you're supposed to be working towards. And I feel like that's the same thing for ADHDers in organization and cleaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of, I'm going back to like that shame piece around being yeah. clean. And it also makes me think, so do you think that OCD, someone with OCD is like the polar opposite of someone with ADHD? I, I think in habit wise, yes. But mm -hmm. I like neurologically, I'm sure they're interrelated, right? Um, but yeah, but I mean, yeah. I'm really simplifying it, but I, I'm right, thinking right, from right. like a cleanliness, yes. from a cleanliness standpoint. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. It's yes. yeah, the, the, the compulsive cleaning and compulsive organization is mm -hmm. very different from not being able to understand that you have a mess. Yeah, right. Yes. So if someone, my piece of advice to anybody listening is that if you are in the dating world and you're ADHD, and someone tells you they have OCD, believe them. <laughs> because once you invite them into your life and they see how you live, it's gonna be really clear right away that you two are probably not compatible. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sensing a story here. Yes, oh, I have a couple actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I had someone come to my house. Actually, this, is, this has happened twice. I should have learned, I should have like paid attention, but um, two different people on two different occasions that mm -hmm. I was dating at some point. And um, both of them would, whenever they would come to my house, they would make comments to me, like little little digs almost. Oh. And for one of these people that I that was coming to stay with me, I cleaned my house for like two weeks. Right. Like two weeks, every day I was like scrubbing and cleaning and putting things away. Like it for me, my house looked immaculate. Like it has never been so clean ever. Uh -huh. And I was doing this to make the other person comfortable, like you're coming to stay with me and whatever. And so throughout the days that this person was with me, there was just little comments being made about like, just like the dumbest things. <laughs> One thing I'm trying to, you might have to cut this out because I'm losing my train of thought. Um, yeah, you got it. And I'm trying not to like say she or he or whatever. Uh. Um, <laughs> So one thing that this person pointed out was mm -hmm. um, when they would touch the, the cabinets in my kitchen, they felt sticky or something like that, which I've never noticed that. But I guess someone with OCD would notice that. And I have kids and they're friends and whatever. So I'm like, that's not a thing I would even think to like yeah. clean, you know? And yeah. I mean, looking at them, they look clean. They, I, I even felt it. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But it was like just little things like that or like noticing dust on on surfaces that i didn't notice like i'm focusing mm -hmm. on making sure the toilets are clean like i those right. are the things for me toilets sinks floors like the things that we touch our body with mm -hmm. and so I, I, I just i go ahead 
I would say that whenever I have a guest, I wish that they could see what it was like before I cleaned it because the right. difference, the difference feels great. You know, yeah, it does. I feel like, wow, there's space here. <laughs> like, it feels like, you know, all the little things, uh, mm-hmm. when, once they're put away, like maybe the space isn't closing in on you quite so much, but they don't mm-hmm. feel that they're coming into the, an environment. And, and I don't know if you're like me, I always say, oh, we didn't get a chance to clean up. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm always relieved when I go to friends' houses that are not clean, that look like my yeah. house, because I'm like, oh, there's others. My people. Right. <laughs> I right, found my right. people. And do I mean, yes, I, I enjoy going to houses that are probably owned by someone with OCD because they're like pristine and perfect, but also it makes me afraid to touch anything, too. Right. It's like, or sit somewhere. Right. So, yeah, there's been, there's been a couple times where. There was another person that came and every time they would like take a dish or anything out of my cupboard, they would like inspect it. I'm like, that's so rude. Like I I run everything through the dishwasher. If there's a mark on it, it's probably a water spot. But for someone to stand there and like inspect the dishes in front of me, it just felt really, um, what's the word? I don't even know what the word would be. I I was just like, dehumanizing. Yes. (laughs) And it makes me, it made me feel like total shit. It did. And after both of these people were gone, I, it made me really feel like I'm a shitty housekeeper. I'm like, it made me feel like I'm dirty. <laughs> That's how right, it made me feel. Right. And it made me feel ashamed. Yeah. And so I kind of distanced myself from both of these people unbeknownst to me because I was feeling like this shame around it. And mm-hmm. it was not a a fun feeling at all no. and then i didn't for a while i didn't want to have anybody over to the house because i'm like god everybody's gonna think i'm just a dirty bitch <laughs> right right and and of course the you know most of the houses we see on instagram or tiktok or whatever are those cleaned up nice looking houses and it's uh such a pain to try to convince other people that this isn't how we're, most people really live no you know most it's of us not. live yeah in environments that yeah. are lived in Right. Oh, and when I make a TikTok or an Instagram or whatever, I clean like I clean the background of whatever I'm in. So right. people probably think I'm like that too. But if you look at the rest of my house, it is not like that at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, growing up, my grandma would come over, and it was always the most stressful time was the few days before she'd come over because my mom would just be completely out of her mind, stressed. Oh, uh, my mom she, too. Yeah, and she was aware that that my grandma was going to come in and scrutinize the cleaning. Uh, there, there are all sorts of little things that she'd make us do that, you know, to make it appear as if we had a habit of making our beds, which we really didn't, of, no. uh, you know, putting stuff away in certain ways and whatever. But she would come in and then it would be like, even if the place was immaculate, she'd be like, oh, look at this grout. How could you leave mm-hmm. the grout like this? And like, Jesus Christ, if we're worried about cleaning the grout in our kitchen, just, you know, I, I can't stand that level of, of cleanliness. The it's grout is much. fucked. Just let the grout it's die. Yeah, yeah, it's too much. My mom will take everything out of the china cabinet and oh. dust it and put it back. <laughs> and one day I went over there and she was in the process of doing it. And she's like, "Can't you, it just looks so filthy in there. And I looked and I'm like, I, it looks fine to me. Like, yeah, that it, a whole nother, maybe that's a whole nother level of shame for someone with OCD. <laughs> like they yeah. must feel a lot of shame if their house is dirty at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, gosh, you know, you mentioned china cabinet. Hopefully that's something that our generation has gotten rid of is having China. Oh, I know. I have China, but it's only because my parents have given it to me and I use it like regularly. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. let's just use it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Get your use out of it. Yeah. yeah. I, well, my understanding is OCD, um, if you legitimately have OCD, 
Uh, you'll worry about your mess even when you're not home, that the organization and situation within the house has to be taken care of even when not being observed. So that seems like hell too. It does. Um, yeah, so I, I, I feel like both camps should be able to get behind this idea of, of relieving ourselves of the stigma of cleaning. Mm -hmm. It really sucks. Yeah, and not judging each other based right, on our, right. our level of cleanliness. Like what I find acceptable might not be what someone else finds acceptable, but that doesn't mean either one is wrong or right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think just, that... You're just not compatible for dating, maybe. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just, again, that sanitary thing. The toilets are mm -hmm. clean and it doesn't smell like cat pee. Right. That would be a really good one. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that was another thing I did, too, because I do have pets. I'm always very aware. And, you know, there's also that thing where, like, when you're living in your own space, you can't smell the way your space right. smells. But I always try to have, like, candles and air freshener and things like that. Like, I'm conscious that other people might see things or smell things that I don't. Uh -huh. So I think that's the difference with someone who's just dirty and doesn't care. Like they're just, yeah. you know, doing whatever. Whereas I think people who have ADHD and maybe are not the best at cleaning, but we're also socially aware of what other people find acceptable or what mm -hmm. other people might be experiencing. Yeah. So yeah, to make that makes sense. Smell nice or make, make the space comfortable for somebody else. Right. And part of the thing with ADHD and cleaning, uh, part of where that comes from, besides just the sort of like lack of internalized organizational skills, is also it's a time management problem. You know, a lot of us have trouble managing our time. And uh, if I mean, if you're like me, you'll, wh where is the time? How do people manage yeah. to, to clean their house from top to bottom all the time? Clean their grass. I, I have a little theory about that, actually, yeah? that I came up with. So I've before the, and this everything's like before I knew I was ADHD but I had yeah. this epiphany one day I'm like there are two types of people there are the people who work first and play later mm -hmm. and the people that play first and work later okay so okay. my mom was always the one like get your homework done and then you can relax clean the house and then you can have fun you know do the work and then have have your fun after right I am more like let's let's have fun first and then we'll deal with the mess later you know right, so maybe right. that's like a time management thing because i would rather spend my time doing fun things right and then do the laundry later and then that and then the laundry ends up piling up and then it gets overwhelming so but i'm definitely a play first work later type of person yeah i, I would say that's ADHD. yeah that's a very adhd trait because the neurotypical brain when set forth with a task like say the laundry they do get a dopamine reward when it's finished. That they actually do get a sense of accomplishment. Uh, and for an ADHD person, you don't get that. So you've just done something exhausting. And for me, if I have to clean yeah. first or whatever before I get to enjoy myself, I'm going to be physically exhausted by yeah. the time I'm supposed exactly. to be enjoying myself. Yeah. 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 That's no good. The other day, I, I caught up on a bunch of laundry and I felt so good about it because I was like, oh, this laundry's been sitting here forever. I finally, you know, got it all put away. The laundry baskets that were sitting in my room for, you know, a mm -hmm. week and a half with clean clothes in them, got them all put away. And then I realized, oh, now there's a whole nother round of laundry I have to do. Yeah. Like the laundry never ends. It does <laughs> there never is end. No no, no, there is no reward. No, there's no reward. Yeah, I, I used to do the laundry for, you know, all four kids I've managed. Uh, over time to outsource that to them. They're managing their own laundry to varying okay. degrees of success. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time I was working on just baskets of, of clean clothes, folding and, and organizing. And my youngest kid comes up to me and says, Dad, when are you going to be through with the laundry? And I <laughs> said, um, yeah, no, I said, uh, maybe 
30 minutes or so. And she goes, no, I mean forever. When are you going to be through with the laundry forever? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, Never. what a nice thought. You think that you could do it enough to where it would just stop coming back. No, it does. It never stops. Yeah. It never stops. But I have yeah. I have a new thing that I started because I will. It's funny. I, every time I make a TikTok or something, there's always like a laundry basket behind me. I realized that the other day because I mm-hmm. always have a laundry basket in my room of things that I need to put away and I don't I just don't want to do it. And my daughter's uh-huh. the same way. She told me at one point, just put the laundry basket in my room and I'll just get my clean clothes from the basket. She doesn't even want to put them away. Mm-hmm. So I have started. I'll do the laundry. I'll wash the laundry. And I'll fold it all, but I leave it all in the garage where the, in the laundry room, I should say. Right. And then the kids just go out there and get their stuff. And that process is actually working pretty well because any dirty clothes just stay in their room in the hamper. And then Mm -hmm. they go find their clean clothes in the laundry room. I got that trick from somebody else on TikTok, but it's working pretty well. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, one thing that's really unrewarding about washing your kids' clothes is you'll run across an article of clothing that you are putting away clean time and time again, but you notice they never wear it. Oh, yes. We've yeah. had that discussion as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it, so it's like the, it gets dumped on the floor, not put away or whatever, and then just, you know, stuffed into the dirty clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they don't know where to put it. So it just yeah. keeps living its life through the cycle of laundry. I've, I've found folded items in the dirty clothes. I'm like, or <laughs> socks that are put together. I'm like, no. <laughs> I told the kids, do you think there's like a a magic laundry fairy that does this? Like I'm the right. laundry fairy. I'm yeah. the one who has to keep re-cleaning this thing you keep putting back in the dirty clothes. So stop right. it. I, yeah, I used to I used to sort of mock my children and say that they had little conversations like, I don't know why dad gets so stressed out about the laundry. If you leave it long enough, it just gets clean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we're the laundry fairies. Right, right. It's yeah. no it's no fun and it's uh yeah, definitely definitely something that I try to leave for a time when I'm listening to a podcast or a book or something like that. Yeah. Um, watching yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to watch documentaries while doing the laundry. Um just for whatever reason that was what coupled well because I didn't have to pay close attention. I could just listen. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And and I guess that's where audiobooks like once I really got into audiobooks, uh it's nice to have something to do with your hands and mm-hmm. I can try really hard just not to think about doing it because um, yeah. The, yeah the drudgerous nature of it is uh, gets you down it does this kind of goes along with executive functioning which yeah. when I first heard that term I first heard that term when I was a teacher at a school for kids with dyslexia and autism and stuff like that mm-hmm. and they would talk about executive functioning and I feel like the words itself they don't I don't know if that sound. Did you hear that ding sound? I did, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll re-say what I was going to say. It's my stupid email and I can't turn it off. Okay. Um, um, I first heard the term executive functioning when I was teaching at a school for kids with dyslexia and autism and things like that. But mm-hmm. I feel like... Uh, but I feel like the words executive functioning don't actually describe what it is. Because I remember thinking, like, what the heck does that mean? Yeah. Executive functioning. Like, it sounds so fancy. But really, it just means, like, you can't... How do you explain it? Like, you can't do basic things for yourself. Yeah, like, you, you you can't regulate which part of your brain you're using at any given mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Okay, see, that's a good explanation. That's not how it was explained to me. I always <laughs> thought of it as, like, like, for students, for example... Like learning how to use a locker and mm-hmm. learning how to 
put your pens in a place that keeps you organized. It's like organization and stuff like that. Uh-huh. That's how it was explained to me. I don't. I feel like the term executive functioning doesn't really describe what it is. Yeah, you know, I I heard a really good explanation of it from uh, David Rock's book called Your Brain at Work, and it was talking about how your your brain is not one cohesive sort of organ, really. It's several different parts that have grown up over time, and uh, each part managing different parts of your life, and that the executive function is sort of the conductor who stands in front of it and cues the right group to work at the right time. And that when you're having executive functioning problems, uh, it's just a matter of, of not transitioning between things very well and not being able to, yeah, really just self-regulate your own mm-hmm. behaviors at times. And instead, you let those different modules in your brain run away with you. So uh, that's why, you know, different things can help your executive functioning. Exercising, um, unfortunately, helps your executive function for a period of time. Um, and uh, novelty does when something is new and exciting, mm. um, yeah, you know. But but yeah, it, it's it does seem like um, if when when you have a problem with executive functioning, it makes it sound like it, it, it sounds like they're just saying an encoded way of saying you're stupid. Yeah, I I never <laughs> liked the way that I'm like what you're telling these like sixth grade kids that they have an executive functioning issue. I, I don't even know what that means. Like, why right. are we using that term? <laughs> right, right. It it seems to cushion something that could be dealt with in a better way. Right. Yeah. yeah, and and, I, and that comes down to you know being easily distracted and and ADHD people can be distracted by their own thoughts, you know, much mm-hmm. less outside stimuli. Your own thoughts kind of ping pong around in your brain, and uh, you know, like like bingo balls, and you never know which one's going to land uh, front and center that you're going to be starting mm-hmm. to think about, especially during a boring meeting. And that's probably why a lot of people with ADHD and um, maybe OCD too. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, have that inner inner critic that's just so mean like I really thought that inner critic voice like I finally I'm at a place now and you know being a coach now I'm able to coach other people on how to do this but Mm -hmm. I really had I really struggled for a long time with this voice in my head telling me like I was stupid or I was messy or what you know right making me feel more shame than I should have felt at all yeah but you know it's I was going to point this out earlier uh through a different context because I've okay let me see where to start. The fact that you have struggled with these things and can now coach people through it, I feel like that makes you the right kind of person to listen to because you have actual real-world real experience mastering these mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And um, my uh, analogy uh, that was we were talking about cleaning, I was thinking about how I have had actually read several books about cleaning when I was uh, really struggling with it. And I realized that all of these books were written by clean freaks and they had mm-hmm. no idea the sort of daily struggles that I was up against because for them this stuff seemed like second nature. So right. they were explaining something that to them seems very elementary, you know, like a math genius right. teaching your math yeah. class. Just do the laundry. Can't yeah. you just do yeah. just clean just clean the counter. Just clean it off. Yeah, right. They oh, would have some, Yeah, they would say <laughs> they would say something like, well first, you know, organize your tasks. Just write them in a row and then mark them off. And it's like I, doing that, sitting with a piece of paper, writing down the tasks and physically marking them off, that is enough. That that would yeah. be, yeah, that, I can do that. And yeah. ev- everything in between where you're actually doing the tasks is is fraught with distraction and uh, oh, yeah. doldrums and everything else. Yes. So yeah, that, exec- that um, inner critic really does get a loud uh, seat at the table a lot of mm-hmm. the time. And then it you start really telling does. yourself a story about who you are and it's harder mm-hmm. to, to build up resilience. 
Oh yeah, my inner critic decided who I was a long time ago until I realized that my inner critic was running the show and making me feel like shit all the time. So yeah. I, I read something somewhere um, talking about coaching and things like that is if you were, let's say you were going to war tomorrow, mm-hmm. would you rather go, have someone lead you that has read a ton of books on war and a ton of strategies and like is very educated about war or would you rather have someone lead you who has been to war before, maybe hasn't read any of the books or anything, but has been through like six battles already. Like right. who would you rather have lead you, right? Right. So um, I think you're right. When you're picking a coach to help you with something, you want to yeah. choose somebody that knows what you're going through. Right. Not necessarily. I mean, yes, education is great too. I'm not saying that's you know not a good thing, but right. if I were choosing a coach, I would choose someone that has been through what I've been through and is on the other side because I want that too. <laughs> right, right. And you know, even as a even as a teacher, I try to communicate that way to my students that you know that I'm on the other side of of, of where you guys are trying to get to, mm-hmm. and that I was not that you know straight A student in the front of the class with my hand up. Uh, I struggled to get through things. I struggled to manage my my time and manage myself all the way through school. And mm-hmm. uh, yet, you know, and I feel like as long as those who are uh, feeling most rewarded by a process end up in charge of that process, you don't get a lot of change. So, yeah, I think definitely you have to have the people who've uh, been under the wheel of the process um, mm-hmm. go to the front and start deciding how things are going to go from here. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you're a coach for neurodivergent people also. So, right. you know, all right, we're at the point where we're going to talk about a few tips uh, for shame or cleanliness or anything like that. And I feel like I kind of always give the same tip, but I think <laughs> just being aware of the fact that if you are neuro- neurodivergent and have issues with cleaning or executive functioning or anything like that, that you're aware of it and that there's nothing wrong with you. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with you. That's just the way your brain works. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that would go a long way towards uh, moving away from the shame, uh, which mm-hmm. is by itself a huge improvement. Um, the other tip that I would give is to turn off your inner critic. And this can be a difficult thing to do. Uh, what I usually tell people to do is to first lean into that inner, inner critic, give them a chance to talk try to turn them into uh, a, a visible entity in your mind. Imagine, mm-hmm. you know, whoever it may be, uh, and let them criticize you, hear them out, and then just, like, shrink them down to, like, mouse size and put them in a jar. And just mm-hmm. remind yourself every time it speaks up, nope, you're in the jar. And yeah. th- this way you get to make changes in your life mm-hmm. without uh, having it have to be perfect. Yeah, I like that. I, I do something similar. Mm-hmm. Where I'll hear that inner critic and I'll say, oh, that's so cute. You're trying to protect me or, you know, because like the inner yeah. critic job really is to try to protect us from something. And that, I feel like that's a whole nother podcast episode. But right. if you're trying to shrink that voice, you acknowledging it, like you said, you know, you want to acknowledge that voice that's running through your head, but also not give it power. Right. right. So by saying, oh, I, I hear that you're saying that I'm, you know. I'm a dirty bitch because my house is a mess. That's so cute. You're trying to protect me. Thank you for telling me that. You know, I'll mm-hmm. think of that later. Now you're in the jar. Yeah, yeah. So you're Sounds just, you're, you're allowing it to express itself, mm-hmm. but you're minimizing it. You're not giving it power. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk more next time. 
Yeah. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you on the podcast next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.